Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. As always, we will thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana, uh, as, as many in the nation have, have begun their coronavirus prep. I can assure you that I have uh, stocked up on enough bottles of Louisiana hot sauce to get me through whatever comes, Bud, and I uh, would recommend any of our listeners do the same. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Uh, we will tip our hat to the people at New Iberia and jump into a podcast that's uh, surprisingly full to be the first week of March. Ingram, uh, I do have to tell you that, that Louisiana hot sauce uh, is basically like, like like a food improver. It, you, you probably should not eat it just purely raw. Uh, a little bit concerned about you here, buddy. I will make it through if uh, if nothing else. But uh, and and uh, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't sampled Louisiana once or twice raw without any other ingredients or any other product involved. So good for them. All right. Uh, so we talked hoops last show um, when they were doing well. They had that nice fifty point explosion against uh, against Louisville. We we got to talk hoops now today because they 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 dropped the stinker. Uh, just how much of this did you watch? A decent amount. Uh, it looked disappointing to see them lose. Disappointing to lose to Clemson uh, in basketball right now. When, when the perspective uh, or respective shapes of the football programs are in the manner that they are, and good for Clemson for getting a nice home win. But d- does Clemson have to run out on the court and or field for every sporting event that takes place? That's uh, that's a little bit obnoxious to me. But yeah, I saw the game, and uh, by the time tonight's podcast or today's podcast will be released it'll be right before a equally important uh, if not more important florida state notre dame game that will go a long way in determining the acc conference uh, regular season champion that we've talked about frequently and how important that would be uh for florida state to get but the clemson game was a frustrating one yeah it's just referees a little bit of a challenge to overcome uh some disappointing uh, just disappointing inability to grab a an important rebound and uh, yeah a loss that uh, look it's great to be fourteen and four and sitting here talking where you are uh, but a, a a game that would have been great for Florida State to have gotten for for multiple reasons. Some of the calls were were, were pretty poor. Like I, I don't want to be dwell on basketball call guy on a podcast, but yeah, those calls sucked. Uh, but I mean, equally poor, like you said, Florida State not being able to pick up the basketball, like. Can you get a rebound? You, you, you got all this size like that. That was frustrating for sure. And then some of the shot selection in that game to me was a little bit curious. I mean, we went kind of long stretches with with Trent and and Devin just not shooting the ball. And there are some guys on this team like I love how Leonard leverages the depth, and and it really is special how many guys he plays and how good of a job he does playing that many people. But, here's the but, some of those guys, yes, it's cool that you play, but I don't need you shooting the ball that much, right? I, I think that's not necessarily uh, the the best thing there. So, a uh, little bit disappointing um, on that end, but a chance on Wednesday night for some redemption. Uh, equally, uh, or not disappointing, but previously disappointing, by the way, uh, we have a little announcement there for the, uh, the the banners outside the stadium after we mentioned it one time on the Knollcast. All, all the people on Twitter talking about it all the time. We make one casual mention of it, and then uh, it's fixed, what, like 48 hours later? Well, whether it was us, whether it was anybody, just glad to see those get resolved. I mean, uh, you know, hats off to the people who were more consistent in pushing 
for it than us and, and leading the charge there. Uh, like I said, whether or not we had anything to do with it, I'm not concerned. I just hate to see Florida State make some self-inflicted errors and penalties. Unforced and errors. Unforced errors. Thank you. Uh, and that's one of them. You know, we talk about the, the money race in college athletics and the extent that Florida State is somewhat limited in some of the things that they want to do. But just general maintenance and upkeep of your facilities is not one of those things. And and that's uh, that was a black eye that I'm, I'm very happy is removed uh, regardless of our involvement. You know, hopefully in the future, maybe if there's a project like that, it just gets addressed in a little bit of a uh, a more aggressive fashion. All right, real talk here. Um, people in the program, they have to drive into work. They absolutely wanted that fixed. Uh, sometimes the administration over there at Florida State does not move as quickly on things uh, as the football staff and the football administration will want it to. They're not necessarily all in lockstep. And that's been the case for a long time. Uh, I, I There's no way in hell that like Mike Norvell's staff was like, oh man, thank you. Thank you, Twitter for telling like, like, you know, they, they all drive into work. Um, the, I know that they had wanted to get that fixed and that it, it finally got fixed. I, I, I don't think that was actually us or social media for the most part, unless somebody like just saw a social media thing or listened to the show who was very high up and be like, Hey, like let's, Let's expedite the process of, of getting these these done, or at least take them down before you have the new ones to to put up. Um, NFL Combine? Yeah, we'll do some real brief Combine talk. Uh, you know, it would be tough to find an individual that's not more, not adorned, but, you know, certainly a whole lot of the fan base realizes the, uh, the crap sandwich that Cam Akers had to deal with. And uh, the way that he went about his business, the way that he carried himself, the way that he played on the field. Uh, just brilliant to see a kid like that go up and turn in uh, what seems to be uh, universally recognized as, as one of the better combines, at least for a running back. He, he's you know put himself in the conversation to be one of the first backs taken off the list. There's a there's an over-important focus on the, on the 40, so great to see Cam turned in a, more than a respectable uh, 447 there. Comes as no surprise, but uh, great to see him uh, do as well as he did in the straight line stuff. Some of the individual drills, a uh, lot of fluidity, uh, really well done there. And uh, Cam Akers will continue to be one of the lone bright spots from Florida State football circa 2019-2020 uh, for, for a long time, in my opinion. So hope he goes first round. Hope he secures a big check. Uh, did everything in the world to uh, do right by Florida State, and it just didn't work out, unfortunately. But a, a kid with a really good combine. You know, and in, in, in hindsight, I heard some people talking the other day and, and some people that emailed us and said, hey, like, isn't Acres a lesson to do your research on offensive line recruiting? And I was like, I, I hear you, but at the same time, like, look at the classes Florida State had brought in right before he came there. Like, if you're Cam Akers, you're thinking, damn, that was it 16 that, that they signed all, all those four stars or 15? Anyway, like just a year or two before Cam would have been a freshman, they had signed all those four and five stars. Like he was looking at playing behind if they had stayed healthy, which was the number one thing with that class and then developed, which also didn't happen very much. Um, like he was looking at, at a really promising situation to run behind. And instead, he ended up in like one of the worst situations in the country to run behind, especially relative to the defensive line talent. Uh, in the ACC, which is much better than the overall level of, of, you know, like football play in the ACC. Like the defensive line 
in our league is always better, it seems like, than the overall quality of play in the league. Um, because maybe some other positions are are not quite as good. But yeah, I, I don't think you can hindsight that. Like, he probably did his research, I would guess. Um, by the way, his other option, Ole Miss, uh, their offensive line has been total garbage in the last couple of years, too. So, interesting. Yeah, one of the one of the last great uh, Jimbo Fisher recruiting wins. Uh, one of the great Jimbo Fisher lines that he delivered in house to Cam Akers about how uh, Ole Miss's Ole Miss's challenges at the time were not his responsibility to bear. And unfortunately, Akers, uh, you know, a great prospect. I hope he does uh, big big things on Sundays. It just never never worked out uh, in Tallahassee, and it had nothing to do with his skill set or want to be a uh, you know contributing factor of the program. Uh, Stanford Samuels is one of the other few members of the Tallahassee football program who took place in the Combine. Uh, a mixed day for Samuels. Did well in some drills. Everybody's going to focus on the 40, 464, uh, 467. I, I think he's officially listed at 465. Um a disappointing time. Not entirely shocking. I didn't think he was going to run. Uh, I thought Samuels would run somewhere in the four fives, the back end of the four fives. Um, but a you know a time that he's going to have to answer some questions to, and, and maybe that brings into a conversation about position change. Uh, but that you know four six five is is something that he's going to have to uh, to talk about, and it's certainly going to impact uh, whether or not he's maybe a late draft pick or an undrafted free agent. Yeah, four six five uh, as a corner um, is is not good. Now he has shown the ability to play some safety, which uh, you know positional versatility there is always a good thing. But yeah, four six five from someone who pre- you know presents presents themselves as a cornerback is not a good time. Um, I don't know that he's going to go undrafted, but you're not going to be a high pick if you run four six five. Period. I mean, you, you have tight ends running running four six five. Uh, you, you got receivers. Not everybody's Henry Ruggs. Uh, good Lord on that kid, by the way. Whew. Like, I didn't know that he was that that fast in high school. And and to be honest, I, I, I'm looking back through my notes that, that I take on these kids. I, I think part of it was like he never concentrated in track. Like he won some track meets and he was he was fast but and he was track fast. But he was never someone who was like training for track, right? Like, cause he was also a really high level basketball player. Basketball was his, basically his first sport. Football, we were all like, hey, this kid's pretty raw. And we loved that he was a leaper, you know? And then he goes out, he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm also like the fastest person on Alabama's team. Uh, maybe only second to Jalen Waddle, but I actually think Ruggs may have better, you know, better long speed there. Uh, like for Samuels, look, the pro day is going to be very important, I, I think. I, that, that's going to be key. We'll transition away from uh, previous members of the program as we look to the future. I uh, want to invite everybody out for our pre-spring get-together. It will be over at the uh, patio on Township. We should have uh, tickets up for you guys in the next uh four to five days to be able to consume. We're, we're going to try to do this as uh, not necessarily bare bones, but as much of, of kind of a listener appreciation thing as possible. Now, we still have to charge something because we're occupying one of the kind of premier uh, spaces in Tallahassee when it comes to uh, prior to a football game. And uh, so fortunate to be able to work with uh, Township, Madso, and all of the entities at the For the Table restaurant group. But we will be over there on the patio of Township before 
spring practice. I uh, want to invite everybody out there. We've done this previously in the past and had nothing but uh, a great opportunity to interact with listeners and uh, meet as many of you gentlemen and ladies as possible. Uh, again, we'll have tickets up for that hopefully by uh, the end of this week. And thank you for your support and look forward to meeting and interacting with as many of you guys as we can. That's going to be really nice. Should be nice weather there. You know, April before it gets crazy hot in Tallahassee. Throw back a couple beers out on the, out on the porch. Come meet us. Say what's up. And uh, it, it's it's been a great event the last couple of years. We're, we're very excited to do it again. And uh, look for us. Look, I mean, we just had our best February ever, right? That's because of y'all, the listeners. So we really appreciate it. And uh, come out, little listener appreciation event, little spring game talk, and, uh, and that, that'll. That'll be exciting. I'm excited to see Florida State's offense and defense and see what they can do, what they can do this spring. I'm also really excited to see what Florida State brings in on the recruiting trail this year. And we have a lot of recent recruiting news to get to today. And I think this will be largely the bulk of our show. All right. So we picked up, uh, we'll go over some commitments and decommitments. Uh, I'll let you talk about this further, in my opinion. Uh, wouldn't shock me to see a couple more decommitments, particularly on some of these kids that are 2021 uh, or further out there that were largely communicative with the previous staff. But uh, Keyshawn Spencer, the class of 2021 uh, running back decommits, put a little uh, IG up there, note to kind of standard respect my decision, but also a, a nice uh, professional message. Uh, and and look, it's a tough situation for a lot of these kids who previously committed to um, to the Taggart staff and you know it may be that they're a better fit for what they want to do it may be that uh mike norvell and some of his skill position coaches don't either see the same skill set or value the same skill set as the previous staff so yeah it was you were always going to kind of have some turnover here uh spencer decommits for 2021 melvin jordan a 2022 kid who we've talked about who's a nice prospect but but raw uh decommits as well florida state picks up a nice kid out of metro atlanta here in uh, Travis Hunter, a nice, uh, athletic, explosive uh, defensive back. A little bit undersized, but also a couple years to add on to that uh, as he progresses as a prospect. But a lot of things to talk about in addition to the commits and decommits that have recently occurred. Yeah, so w- with Keyshawn Spencer, your 2021 running back, look, he's an in-state kid, and he's a pretty good one. I, I don't really think this is a great year for backs in Florida. Um, so I'm curious to see who Florida State uh, likes better and and who they'll go get. Um, now, Spencer is not a huge kid. Obviously, he is a, a player who does well in space. And I will say he's had two pretty nice camps in a row. Uh, we we know he did well uh, the rivals camp because he posted it on on his Twitter. Uh, and then he also uh, he toasted Brandon Jennings in the uh, the Under Armour camp this weekend in in coverage. Uh, so. Like, granted, that's a format that benefits a running back, especially one of, of Spencer's talents. But he did say, like, I'm, I'm still highly considering Florida State. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see them uh, continue to be involved with him. I think he just wants to look at his options. But he's I, I, I don't think that's necessarily like, like a positive to lose him. Maybe I'll be wrong. We'll see who else they get in on. But, like, it's not like there's a whole lot of awesome backs in the state this year at this point. And I've been looking at a lot of them in, in my job at 24 seven sports, because we got to get these Florida rankings, you know, up and we have the next rankings update coming out uh, in late April. So we got about, you know, 
or well, mid to late April. We got about six weeks here before those come out. Uh, with the 22s, you're right. I, I'm never really going to sweat a commitment for a kid who is, you know, still like a year and a half out from signing, um, unless it's a quarterback, because that those do operate that much in advance. But a linebacker, Melvin Jordan, I, I, I wouldn't sweat it. And some like similar logic here with with Travis Hunter, your defensive back out, out of Sewanee. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, you got a 22. Like that's that's good and. He has a lot of uh, a lot of pretty heavy interest from some heavy hitters recently. I know Alabama, Auburn, Florida State. I think Ohio State was talking to him. So that's that's a good kid to get in the boat early on. Again, if you're not going to be worried about a 22 decommitting, then you probably shouldn't be that excited about a 22 committing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't panic over any of these moves um, at, at this point. O- overall, I think I agree with you. Yeah, Hunter's really talented kid, plays uh, against great competition, isn't necessarily from a school that's uh, a traditional pipeline when it comes to producing kids, but uh, you're right, a lot of big names have gotten in on him recently, and it's uh, something that we'll continue to uh, to watch and talk about if that situation changes at all. So you were able to attend the Orlando Under Armour camp, is that correct, bud? Yes, yeah, I was. Uh, so I went out there, and I think we had uh, 24-7 sports, I think had eight people out there. That was cool for me, uh, just to not have to be the the person that feels like they have to see every single thing at the camp because we actually have a team now. I laugh because I've gone to one of these camps with Bud before where I've tried to fill in for him, and uh, dude is literally running from tackles and tight ends over to see running backs, over to try to see quarterbacks. Happy for you to be able to uh, you know not have to uh, to turn in a, a two hundred yard dash every other minute when you want to look at a position group. Exactly. Yeah. So I was able. I, I watched a lot of the offensive line, defensive line in the camp. Um, but I also, I know where to stand to get the interviews before everybody else swarms the kid. And I, I don't mean everybody else from my network, but just from all of the networks out there. So my, my overall takeaway here, as far as the feedback I got from the players, because we'll, we'll talk about how the players did in, in a second, but Ingram, it's not particularly uh, good at this point. Um, one of my, one of my top bullet points in the article I put out was that you know, Florida was mentioned with the elite kids more than Florida state and Miami combined. And, and it really wasn't close. Uh, just a couple examples here. So Caleb Johnson, you're off to tackle out of Ocala Trinity, who I know has made multiple visits to Florida State. He's a player that I think a lot of people on message boards are really excited about with Florida State. He did not mention Florida State to me when, in, in any of the answers to my open-ended questions, right? Like, what schools are you feeling right now? What schools have you really liked that you've already visited, et cetera, et cetera? He spoke really highly of Auburn, um, who I went ahead and put in the crystal ball for, for, for the Tigers. He also said that, that he, he liked uh, Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia. Um, so it wasn't like he just mentioned Auburn and, and no other schools. I mean, you're talking to, he mentioned three or four schools here to me. This is your four-star tackle out of Ocala Trinity, Caleb Johnson again. And Florida State was not in there. And, and I, I don't like asking kids about specific schools they haven't mentioned unless I have a reason to do so. And in this case, I said, well, hey, what about your in-state schools, right? Because like you haven't, are you just set on going out of state? And I don't think he's originally from Florida, by the way, which is probably important to note when you're trying to figure out like, how is, how is this school doing, you know, as far as keeping kids in state? But he's like, yeah, I've been to Florida State a couple of times. You know, Florida and I don't don't really talk that much. But even then it wasn't like, yeah, I love Florida State. I'm really high on it. I mean, it was very much just, he was trying to play it straight with me, 
but he let the Auburn love slip a lot. And he also kind of let a little bit of like the Bama, Tennessee love uh, come out. So yeah, like at this point, I, I don't think Florida state is nearly as much in the race for Caleb Johnson as maybe I thought, you know, based on the quotes that he gave coming off some of those unofficial visits that he made over the winter. So that's not necessarily good. Corey Collier, your, uh, your, your stud defensive back out of Miami Palmetto, who is listed as a corner, but may eventually be a safety. He's a legacy, a legacy player for you there. And, uh, he named Clemson his leader. And our, our people think that Florida is his number two. So Clemson and Florida beating you right now for a good legacy player. Auburn's probably ahead of you with that kid as well, in my opinion. You you got a tough road to hoe to even be in contention, and that's uh, that's a, just a, a hard pill to swallow. And look, it, it's uh, something that I have had to do myself. I still think Florida State's going to perform really well in this recruiting cycle. I still think they're going to do well, but the game's changed. I mean, and even somebody that follows recruiting like I do, I, I've had to look at myself and, and just say that February and March, historically, you would have been fine uh, with the way that the, the calendars moved up and these kids make decisions. You are far behind the ball than you would have been previously. And it's uh, it's going to be a challenge for Florida State to get traction on some of these uh, some of these kids where maybe even I didn't think it would be as, as much of an up, uh, uphill road to hoe as uh, as it is. It's just the facts. Exactly. Well, and, and the reason is because like you, all these other schools have a, a, you know, four or five month at least head start on your staff because they, they're done recruiting for the prior class. Some of these schools are done basically on, on Halloween and they've already moving on. They've already been, been making these kids a priority like they're, like they're rising seniors. This staff's not able to do that because it has to finish out the prior class. And basically all these schools that hire new coaches have to do that now. So one thing I'm very interested in investigating now, now that I'm over at 24 seven and I have better access to to the data. I want to see like, you know how we always talked about the first year bump, right? The first full class bump for, for new coaches. This would be this, this class that we're in right now would be Norvell's first full class. I'm very interested in investigating how much that has diminished because I definitely think it has. And is it being replaced by a second year, like second full class bump? Because that's the one you're kind of more on equal footing as far as not, you know, not being behind the eight ball relative to a head start. Is that the case? Is there maybe no more bump? I don't know. I'd be fascinated to see what you say there. Just my takeaway is that the second year bump, uh, you may be Somewhat limited. I think you're either going to see a brilliant bump or, or not a whole lot of bump at all because the, the honeymoon's kind of over there. The first year bump was really the idea that everybody in the program was going in the right direction. Everybody, as far as your boosters, your admin, your coaching staff, um, speaking in some coded language here, but everybody was uh, prepared to do what was necessary to do well in recruiting. And uh, I wonder if by year two, you haven't maybe seen some of that support start to erode already. So uh, fascinated by what a, a better access to data at twenty four seven gives you there, and kind of what the historical numbers pan out as we uh, further progress in this kind of new era of recruiting. One thing that that is standing out to me now uh, immediately is I, I think Coach Alex Atkins is going to be a big hit on the recruiting trail. This is a guy who, you know, we weren't sure how he was going to recruit, right? I mean, because he had been at Charlotte and, and that you're really taking a big step up. And before that, he had been 
at Tulane. You know, so a guy with with like doesn't have that high level power five experience. Uh, but I will say this: he's actually been an offensive coordinator, like play caller too. In addition to being an offensive line coach, I think he relates to these kids pretty well. He's a younger guy. Um, and here's an example for you. There's this kid in at IMG. His name is J.C. Latham. He's from Minnesota. He was a defensive end last year. He told me he was a defensive end. He's not an offensive tackle. And I was like, yeah, you're an offensive tackle because you're like 6'7", 270 in your junior year of high school. So, yeah, you're going to be off to tackle. But right before his uh, his junior season, he did go ahead and switched off to tackle. Played well. Like, he's been a well-known kid, probably a five-star type kid or around there for most of his, his high school career, right? Like, even back when we weren't sure what he was going to be position-wise, just that size and athleticism, you, you just knew. So he's a he's a guy who everybody has had a huge head start on because they've literally been recruiting him since 2018, you know? And yet Atkins has managed to get Florida State in there. Now, I don't think he's going to sign with Florida State. In fact, he, he made a surprise announcement that he is going to commit at the end of April. And I was like, all right, well, if you're going to do it that fast, uh, where do you think you'll commit? Like, there can't be that many schools that you're ready to seriously consider. And he's like, oh, yeah, my April commitment will be uh, Ohio State or Ohio State or LSU. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, but I'm like, so, but it sounds like we're talking about these other schools. He's like, yeah, like, I'm just making a reservation to make sure I have a spot in one of those two classes. And then my recruitment's going to remain open. I was like, all right, like, who else is it open with? You know, and so he said, Oklahoma, Bama, Georgia. And right now, Florida State is, I'll just be very clear with y'all, Florida State is not mentioned when those other schools come up, typically. But he actually threw Florida State in there. This is a kid who does play in Florida, but he's not from Florida. He's not a Florida kid, in my mind. He's from Minnesota. When I do my Sunshine State scorecard, I will not have him in there, right? Like, he's not one of those prospects that I'm going to evaluate Florida, Florida State, Miami to see like how good of a job they're doing keeping Florida kids in. Because he doesn't have any any ties to the state of Florida natively. But he's like, yeah, I, I really like Coach Atkins. We vibe and and interesting. So Atkins, you know, despite only being employed by Florida State for 14 weeks now, I think, has managed to get Florida State in there. And I think this is impressive to me, mostly because clearly Latham is not a kid that Atkins would have been wasting his time with at Charlotte, right? Charlotte is not going to sniff J.C. Latham. So are they going to get him? I highly doubt it. Is it worth going all out for him? I mean, I would I would still recruit the kid, especially because he's out of school that you're going to have to stop by a couple times this year anyway. But it is impressive to me that Atkins is getting in there uh, and getting positive reviews from Latham, especially because that was right on the back of Johnson, Caleb Johnson, not even mentioning the Knowles to me. So I was like, oh, man, I wonder like, but then, you know, Latham comes in and says he really likes the guy. So, you know, that's that's cool. It is impressive, and it's a positive takeaway. Like you said, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a, a signature from this kid, but I'm really confident in Alex Atkins' ability to find some lesser obvious prospects. Uh, some kids, you know, he'll pick up rocks, turn them over, find prospects where maybe other people didn't. Um, if you're telling me the same guy who has a skill set to identify kids, look at evaluations that maybe other big schools didn't see, uh, but if you're pairing that drive and ability with also the ability to get traction with a big, uh, you know, four or five star type prospect in Latham, then that tells me that you've got a pretty well-rounded recruiter 
and uh, somebody that's going to be a, a major, major asset. So yeah, Atkins is somebody that uh, we've been really high on and uh, great to hear that some of the early results are indicative of somebody that's going to be an elite recruiter for you because God knows you need one at that position. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I, I don't want to dwell on the negative there too long. I just, I mean, that's that that was the feedback that we got from the more elite kids. And and I share those specifically, like there's other elite kids that, didn't, that did not mention Florida State, but that Florida State's really not recruiting very hard. So I don't want to be the guy that's like, well, this kid didn't mention Florida State. I'm like, yeah, well, Florida State's not after that kid. Like these are kids that Florida State is legitimately after who are not giving them the time of day. Uh, but there are some kids there. So we have Florida State commit. Uh, Josh Farmer, this is the first time that I've been able to see Farmer perform in person. He's the defensive lineman out of Gaston County. Uh, good build. He's not as tall as I would like. He's probably like 6'3", I think. Uh, he's a, I don't want to say squatty, but he's definitely filled out some. He's he's thick. He had a, he had a good camp. He, t- he took a, a number of reps, and, and I would say he won most of his reps. Uh, right now, he doesn't have a star rating. If I had to guess, I think he would probably debut as as like a high three star at this point in, in our, our ratings. He uh, he's gonna he's gonna be at Florida State's Junior Day, which we'll talk about in a minute. But he's also he's also gonna take a trip to Miami and also one to Tennessee. But interestingly, here he's got a teammate who's also pretty damn intriguing. Um, so Daryl Jackson at Gadsden County, they might have two really high level kids on their defensive line. Apalachicola, baby. So he's a Tennessee commit. I I had never seen the kid in person either. He comes out there. Now, he was not as aggressive as far as going out and getting reps as Farmer was. And I, t- I spoke with him after, but he looked pretty good in the reps that he did take. He's a little bit taller of a kid, probably 6'4", like 235, 240. A little more of a, a potential build, uh, potentially, than, than Farmer. Uh, but I asked him, I was like, you know, what's, what, what's your story? He's like, oh, well, last year was my first year play, playing football. This is the first time I've ever been to a camp. I was like, ah, okay. So Tennessee offered him. Uh, Florida State has not offered yet. He did tell me that Florida State was his dream school. Uh, so he'll be able to go over there. And, and I asked him, do you think Florida State will offer you when you come to junior day? And he's like, yeah, uh, I, I really hope so. So they already have Farmer in the boat. Now, I don't know that Farmer's necessarily like the most locked-in kid in the world, but it wouldn't shock me if they were to offer Jackson, maybe not at junior day, maybe they want to see him in person at a camp, but for their evaluation purposes, certainly I think you have to take into account, okay, like what other pass rushers are we in on that we can actually get? And they don't have a whole lot of traction with good ones right now, so that has to be considered. But also, when you learn that this is Jackson's first year playing football, or 2019 was, you may be you may project a little more uh, like steep like steep rise in, in, in his development curve, right? Because he's not a kid who's been playing since Pop Warner. And I asked him, I was like, "So what have you been doing?" And he's like, "Oh, I was I was just being a kid." It's a good answer. So those those two were interesting. Obviously, I, I put Jackson here. He's not a commit, but I, I just I wanted to discuss him in conjunction with uh, with his teammate Farmer. Uh, we had Spencer in this list. Spencer looked pretty good, but obviously it's a it's a camp setting where it's designed for him to look really good. And uh, linebacker Brandon Jennings, he definitely didn't look bad, but this is not the setting for him, right? He's not he's not a premier coverage linebacker. He's a really big looking dude. He's a lot bigger than than many of the guys who were lining up at defensive end in the camp, right? And so he's asked to cover these these uh, some of these scat backs in space and. 
that that's just really not his game. Um, I don't know what he ran as far as his testing numbers, but a lot of people were like, oh, do you think he'll get the five-star bump? I'm not the only person who does ratings for 24-7, obviously. I mean, there's like 10 people involved in the process. So, But if, if I were voting right now, no, I, I would say no, just based on what we've seen from recent five-star linebackers, like they're the huge guys who are also super twitchy in this setting, you know, and uh, I, I think Jennings is a really good player and I think he actually might be a little bit underrated right now, but not as far as like bumping back up into five-star territory, unless he just happens to have run a time that I just, I, I don't have the, the, the testing data from them. All right. One thing I do have Ingram is about a hundred grand in savings coming my way uh, over the next 30 year period. And that's because Shannon Young with Resolution Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. He reached out to me this week and said, hey, the 10-year treasury is under 1% for the first time in history. He's like, you need to look at refinancing. I was like, well, I already have a pretty good rate. He's like, yeah, but like this is... This is significant savings on, on a refi. And I was like, well, how much? He's like, how about a hundred grand? I was like, okay. Yep. Let's, uh, let's get some paperwork over here. I text, texted my wife. I was like, Hey, we, we need to sign this, uh, like ASAP. And, uh, look, that's the kind of, of customer service you're getting. You know, Shannon's going through his files and saying, Hmm. All right. This guy got about the best rate we could get him at the time that, that he got his mortgage. Now we can help them out with a refi. And so that's, uh, I'm obviously extremely excited about, about this news. Uh, but this also works if you're a first time home buyer, right? These rates right now are so low. Now is a really good time to, to pounce on some rates. I mean, you're, you're looking at, at some stuff. Some of these 30 years are down, uh, to where you, you may be close to like three and a quarter. Uh, so, and, and you can, there's a chance you may be able to get under three. On a 15 year. Again, I'm not quoting those, not guaranteeing those, but that's just kind of what what I'm looking at right now. 844 FSU Loan or FSU Home Personal service, great rates, knowledge of the industry. That's Shannon. Go get it. All right, bud. So let's transition our, our talk to kind of broader points here before we get back into individual kids, but just the importance of junior days. I mean, we've certainly talked uh, a lot about this and how the calendar's changed and uh, how everything's been kind of moved up. We've talked in the past about the fact that Florida is way up in front of you in, as far as being able to develop relationships with kids and that Florida is probably going to, uh, uh, as well as some others, just have a have a list of kids in, on, on campus for junior day that will be greater than yours. And that's uh, just something that you have to come to terms with as far as the starting points for the two staffs and hey look uh, if if there's going to be a school that has a big head start uh, i realize that florida's doing and having some success on the trail i still don't think that's a uh you know an absolute recruiting monster that's going to run away from you or lap you but let's just have a kind of opened in to talk about junior days how important they've become in the new process and where florida state kind of stands as they uh look forward to theirs I agree with you on Florida for the most part, but, but Florida's also made some important hirings and some important firings, right? Of guys in their recruiting department who weren't getting the job done. So they got fired. And, uh, you know, I mean, they, they've, they've made some changes there. And I, I think that they're, I think their recruiting staff right now is a whole lot better than it was, uh, you know, two years ago or, or in Mullen's first year as well. Junior day is going to be very important because of when the dead period was this February. This is like the first weekend 
where a lot of these major schools are having junior day. So we're going to learn a lot this coming weekend. But we got some good kids coming in. I know Knowles 24-7 has the full list. That's the list I would rely on, by the way, because I know those guys personally check with the kid. They don't just rely on like what some coach tells them. Hey, I think this kid's coming up. They actually ask the kid or the kid's coach, like, hey, is this kid coming up? Like, who's driving the kid? You know, and if the kid's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can come up as long as I can find a ride. I'm like, yeah, well, that's not really concrete. Um, you know, some of those rides are harder to find than others. But, you know, running back Amari Daniels is coming up from Miami Central. He's a guy who's a four-star right now. I'm interested to see how he looks. Uh, maybe he'll be there this weekend when I'm down at the Miami uh, Under Armour camp. Jake Slaughter, the offensive lineman uh, from Ocala Trinity, the teammate of Caleb Johnson. He's a guy I know Forge State is pretty high on as far as a center. Markevious Brown is a nice DB uh, out of IMG, currently a four-star rated player. And then uh, defensive back Derek Edwards is a kid. He's been blowing up a lot recently with, with a lot of big-time offers. So uh, definitely somebody to watch there. Uh, I'll also point out that like this is not the only day that Florida State's had some kids on campus, right? Just like a couple days ago, we had four-star offensive lineman Terrence Ferguson from Peach County, four-star DB Jordan Hancock from North Gwinnett, uh, and then also three-star offensive lineman uh, George Jackson, who's actually a UF commit. Yeah, Jackson's a, a big prospect. Uh, it's a real good year for offensive linemen <laughs> in Georgia. Uh, elite year. Now, Jackson, I wouldn't put in that class. Uh, Ferguson's a, a really nice prospect in his own right. Jackson's a Metro Atlanta prospect, somebody that I happen to uh, know a little bit about over there in uh, DeKalb County, uh, Stevenson High School. A real big boy. And I know he's committed to, to Florida right now and that he's on campus at Florida State. I question a little bit as to whether or not that's a real uh, offer from Florida or if he's you know really been offered by Florida State. Sometimes these kids can commit early in the process. Uh, Jackson's somebody to watch, but I, I'm not sure uh, that he's necessarily destined for, for either of the two Florida schools at this point. All right, so... Let's just say it, right? If you compare this list that Florida has coming in and what Florida State has coming in, you really do see the magnitude of, of the gap uh, between what what they're doing and what Florida State is doing. I, I would say if you look at the two lists, like for every kid that's coming to Tallahassee that has a UF offer, there's at least two and maybe three going to Florida that has a Florida State offer. Is that, does that does that make sense the, the way to put that I, I just without reading off just lists of names which I don't I don't think makes for a great podcast if you don't pair it with analysis but we're gonna learn some stuff this weekend we're gonna learn like where does Florida State stand with some players like both like from who comes to the camp or the to, excuse me to the junior day but also from who does not come to the junior day like those are gonna be really interesting things there's some kids who are on the fence there we're gonna see where they show up. And, and this is not the only, the only day to come, but like, this is like the first big day where if a kid chooses to go to Florida or Georgia over Florida state, I think Florida state should pay attention to that decision and then figure out, okay, like where do we, where do we really stand with this player? And then they need to kind of turn to, in my opinion, getting in on guys who everybody else does not have a head start on, on them. And there are players who develop later in the cycle. There are players who emerge later in the cycle, who might already be pretty good. Staffs are still working through junior film to figure out who, who to offer. And there's three guys here that I wanted to point out that are coming to this, this junior day who I think could end up as four-star type players that Florida State is in on early. Now, we'll see if they can actually get these guys if and when they blow up. 
But the first is Marlon Dean, who I know we discussed in a recent show, uh, defensive lineman out of like Northeast Georgia, kind of right, right on the border there. Uh, defensive lineman Zion Reeves, he's a kid at North Carolina, freakish kid. Uh, I believe he also does basketball. Um, he's like 6'7", 250. And he is someone who could blow up big time. I, I always believe that NC State under this current staff, and honestly the previous staffs as well, has done a very good job of recruiting defensive linemen. Um, and they they were on him early as well. I know Florida State uh, has offered him. I think Tennessee and Kentucky have also offered in recent weeks. So he's going to come down. Really interesting prospect there who I believe could, could truly blow up. And then a kid out of Rockledge, uh, Raheem Sanders. And Rockledge is, uh, shoot, isn't that where uh, Deshaun Corbin was from? believe so. Yeah, the A&M kid that came back to Tallahassee. Uh, pretty sure. I'm trying, I'm trying to picture him in that jersey in high school. Yeah, I think it is that, that, that blue and black. So Sanders on some recruiting websites is listed as a receiver. And yet I, I think he could end up being a linebacker, right? I mean, he's a really athletic kid who I know FSU is in on. So, you know, those three are players who I feel like could blow up for them. And those are, are three kids that Florida State, they're not having to overcome a head start deficit from other schools on those kids. Cause like those are not kids that other schools have been recruiting, you know, for years on end because they weren't necessarily known, you know, that, that early, you know, getting in with the, uh, and, and not having to overcome the head start there. It's great. Cause you want to give yourself like the best possibility of winning. And you know, who can help you do that? Travis Johnson, the Metter and Johnson law firm, Travis Johnson, Board-certified family law attorney, only 280 of those in the state out of over 110,000 attorneys. A decade of experience. He understands each case is unique. And Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm has the experience to handle your specific situation with the care that it deserves. You can reach Travis, 850-435-9919, 850-435-9919. He has cases throughout the state. So whether you're going through a divorce Maybe you have alimony questions, child support, visitation, issues dividing property. Do you need a prenup? You want to modify a prior visitation or support order? Whatever you, whatever family law questions you have, go to a board-certified family law expert. That's Travis Johnson, 850-435-9919. You may not need him right now, but take the number down just in case you ever do. All right, bud. Yeah, good uh, list of prospects there. The Sanders prospect in particular is uh, really intriguing. I agree with you. You could see him being a. You could see him playing defense. You could see him with a ball in his hand uh, at a running back. A lot of tape as him as a wide receiver. Really intriguing prospect, and hard for me to omit when I look at him that uh, Charlotte was involved with him at one point in process. So I wonder if that's not a kid that uh, maybe Atkins. Uh, brought up to the rest of the staff, uh, although as a Rockledge prospect, I'm sure there was some level of familiarity there. Some names that we'll continue to monitor, and I think you bring up a great point where there's kind of this sweet spot that Florida State has to exist in and finding kids that are currently regarded as three stars or lesser known prospects who are ultimately going to be seen as uh, high threes and, and fours in a couple months uh, just because they haven't had the success on the camp uh, circuit, or they don't play for a larger program. But uh, Florida State does have to do a little bit of a job here in finding some uh, some hidden gems, and Sanders appears as though he may be one of those prospects. And that's not to say to cut bait on all of the elite kids, right? But like I think at this point, because you understand, if you need to evaluate what is the kid's decision timeline. If he's someone who says, hey, I really, I'm going to take a lot of spring officials, and I'm going to commit 
in summer, look, man, the, you may be too late to the game on that. If it's a kid who says, I'm, I'm going to commit on national signing day. All right. Maybe you stay in the race there. Right. And, and I would say, just make sure you have realistic expectations. If you're the staff of balancing who you can get, don't pull a Willie Taggart with an Evan Neal and not have a good backup plan there in, in, until far too late. That's the thing. I, identify the reason why you without the head start can stay in the game on this player. Is it that your staffer has a great relationship with him? Does is he a legacy prospect of some type to where that actually matters? Um, is it proximity to campus? Is it the ability to sell playing time? But there's some of these kids that I do believe you're going to need to cut bait on uh, early on. So you're not just spinning your wheels because a lot of these kids aren't really giving Florida State the time of day, at least the, the elite kids. All right. Uh, we still have some we still have a lot of good questions to get to. Unfortunately, we won't be able to get to them on uh, this show. A little bit pressed for time here. Uh, as it's a, a morning recording of the Nolcast. Uh, as always, we thank all our sponsors, uh, thank the support that we've received. Like Bud said, we had a record February, we had a record January. Uh, we've done very well recently, and that's directly thanks to you, the listeners. So uh, as always, fortunate to be able to do these. Look forward to doing one next week uh, to which we'll uh, put together a larger uh, listening uh, question database and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Absolutely. Well, hey, five stars on iTunes if you're enjoying the show. Uh, if you gave us a five-star review a long time ago, just know that you can actually give us another one if you're, if you're still enjoying the show, which obviously if you're listening this deep in the show, you probably are. Thank you to our, our Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash Nolcast. We're available on Twitter at Nolcast and also on Gmail if you want to use the email machine, Nolcast at gmail.com. So that's how to reach us. Appreciate your continued support of the show, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and myself, Ingram Smith, produced by Justin Robinson, with music by Judson Wright. <laughs>